Hey guys, this is Cole Kublik from WJOX in Birmingham and the SEC Network, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 687. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! From the midst of the national championship game on Monday night, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, I've already turned it off. I've already turned it off. Hope springs eternal. I'm big TCU comeback here. (laughs) These frogs are in the proverbial blender. They are a greasy spot on the road. Georgia's backed up over them a couple times. Well, when, when they started out, by losing yards on their first possession. And then when they actually scored, it was because Georgia just didn't cover a receiver to get them all the way down to like the 15. That was when I knew, I'm like, okay, how many times is Georgia going to score? And how many times will Georgia forget to cover TCU's deep receiver? And I thought, if you take that ratio, that's how this game's going to end. And I'm thinking that's pretty much where it is. Now, it's 31-7 to 7 at the half if I missed. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm no, sorry. Georgia scored again before the half. No, what? <laughs> yeah, Georgia scored again before the half. It was all right. When I came down to the studio, <laughs> there was like two minutes left, and it was twenty-four to seven, and they were about to score to make it thirty-one. And How they did they make scored, it thirty-eight? I think they turned it over and then threw another <sighs> touchdown pass. Well, that was the first and, touchdown, Georgia. and there's still twenty-five seconds. Hey, so you, <laughs> all bets are off. Well, that was yeah. I mean it. Uh, That was how Georgia scored their first touchdown was TCU fumbled on their own side of the field in their own red zone. And I'm thinking that's never a good idea is to give Georgia the ball in your own red zone to start the game pretty much. Nope. Or start more or less. That's how they got the field goal, yeah, I think, right? Yeah. Anyway, who cares? It's over. Um, All right. So, as always, the the night of the national championship game, we end up doing the show while we're uh, watching the, the game. So... But again, I've already turned it. I just have the ESPN but app. I was going to say, the score. good for us. Like many other years, it's not does something that requires a lot of attention. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike some years, this one, yeah. Well, we have several other things to talk about. Um, we've got basketball to talk about, and we're going to do that. But we have quite a bit of football news to talk about, too, in the sense that there, it, it feels like the last couple of days have been bigger than National Signing Day Day. Boom, 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 boom. It's like a popcorn popper going off. Yeah. I mean, I feel pretty good about things. I'm starting to feel like, yeah, all right, we're going to have a competitive team next year after all. I tell you one thing, we're going to be better than we were most of this year, this past year. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. We're going to be better than we were in 2021, certainly the second half of the season. (laughs) Amen. Better than the whole of 2021, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it just remains to be seen a couple of positions, and we'll get to that. You know, quarterback. Obviously, we're going to see if we're going to 
have to kind of work with what we've got or we're going to be able to pull one of the remaining uh, big fish in. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you if you look at what Auburn's got at this point, it's hard to imagine a player going, eh, I don't want to go there. It seems like people have been having quite the opposite reaction than that. But anyway, we'll get to that. All right, so do you want to start out with basketball or football news? Um, I wanted to take a minute and, and do the, you know, we had the, uh, you're right, all these commitments and, and signings, but I wanted to take a minute and just say, like, what was your immediate gut reaction to that basketball win Saturday night over Arkansas? You know, I thought it was a big deal, and then Bruce came out and said one of his top five wins in the in the arena. And, I mean, in terms of how this season was going and everything, it's hard to argue. Because after the Georgia game, I was starting to think this is going to be uh, the 2021 season. Remember, we talked about this a little bit last time. The, the, you know, the, the Sharif Cooper season, where we just never really, you know, ah, we never really got anything going. Um, it's not last year. But it's not 2021 either. It's kind of like somewhere in between. And that's that's what it looked like coming into the season is we lost our two first-round NBA guys, but we've got some pretty good new pieces. And I think it's really just going to come down to two things. It's going to come down to how they – the chemistry, how they mesh, how the young ones kind of come along, and, uh, and then how intensely they're able to play and hit shots and keep up that defense because, you know, as, as that's kind of been the hallmark – of Bruce's, we've had years we could shoot the three pointer. We've had years we could do this, that, and the other block shots, you know. But one of the hallmarks of a Bruce Pearl team is um, when all else fails, we play good defense and just stay in the game even when nothing is working. And there were long stretches of this Arkansas game when we weren't scoring. We looked inept on offense for long stretches. But they weren't scoring either, and that wasn't because they were inept on offense entirely, although three-point shooting kind of. Um, it was because we were making them inept on offense. That's right. So so my immediate reaction was I did not see it coming. Nobody saw it coming. I was shocked, and I was jumping around, running around the living room as, as happy as any basketball game I've watched in a long time. Arkansas – don't let fans undersell this win. Don't anybody undersell mm. it. Mm. They are in the advanced stats and stuff, Ken Palm and those places. They're a top 10 team in the country, and we beat them by double digits. The whole game. You know, pretty much the whole game. So, yeah. it, you know, they're a, and they were missing a couple guys, but they have a ton of talent on that team. Mm-hmm. And, Coming off the Georgia game, I was like you. I was very concerned yeah. about where we were going. And they came home and turned it around. And some of it is, we've said this a million times, we have the best home court advantage of college basketball right yes. now. And yes. it elevates that team to yes. another level mm-hmm. when we play at home. And they took it to Arkansas, who's a really good team. But you're right. You Like the last time we beat like a legitimate top 10 team in that arena and that kind of game remember there was the Tennessee game at the end of like the 19 or 20 season that was a big win mm-hmm. it was a huge kind of win down the stretch that I mean that's the last kind of win like that I think of the Kentucky one yeah. in the t- Kentucky one last year was huge at home mm-hmm. that's the one where that everybody camped out yeah 
I I see. I feel like the difference between the Georgia game and this game was in both games we had stretches where we couldn't make a shot, where we'd throw up five shots and they just bounce around the rim and roll off every shot. The difference was in the Georgia game that was from the first minute to the last minute. And in this game, there were stretches where we actually looked like we knew what we were doing on offense. We actually had some shots go down. We made a bunch of three-pointers in this game, which we haven't done yes. in forever. Forever. Yes. I mean, when, when Janai Broom was your leading three-point shooter against Georgia, pretty much, for those two that he made before he missed like three, you knew that was a bad sign for the for the, for the offense when your center is you know basically is your three point leader but no they we came out and made a four point play with Wendell to start the game right i believe that was it wasn't it Wendell that hit the, yeah yes. he made a he made a three and made the free throw so it was four to nothing before arkansas even had the ball really and then our shots fell i mean we actually made the the ball dropped for us some of that is them some of that is us. Some of that is luck. It's a lot of it's a lot of things I think that go into that. All right, so let's step back for a minute to talk about the Georgia game because I think it sets the tone for this Arkansas okay. game. Yeah, that was an again. Georgia was is better. They're better coached. They have better mm-hmm. players. They're not the same kind of pile of crud team they were last year. <laughs> but to go yeah. into their building and get Ugh. you know humiliated like that was terrible. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't make a shot. Wendell had a terrible game. And I think the, the reaction was Auburn is doomed. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because you, you looked at it and you said this is a team that can't play offense. The players we were counting on are not coming through. You know, when, when your best players – I mean, the way that it was looking during the Georgia game would be like if our Final Four team – the best players had been like Horace Spencer and, um, you know, somebody of that level that was a really important role player, but it's not who you want to carry the team. And we were looking like, you know, we're going to need some of these guys that that aren't even second off the bench to kind of be the main players on this team. And that's not what this team was supposed to be, you know. And and, and then against Arkansas. And the thing about Arkansas game was I thought, my, my gosh, if we couldn't, do that well against Georgia, how are we going to do against a team that is theoretically much better than Georgia? And we have short guards, and Arkansas has really tall guards. Georgia was shooting over us with guards that weren't that taller than our guys. I'm like, what's Arkansas going to do to us? But part of what we did was the zone. That was a gigantic change, and I was honestly shocked when the TV was on and we came out in zone against them. And I think one of the reasons it was so effective was because it was so surprising. Arkansas clearly didn't prepare no. for it. But the the fact is, we, Van, I just isn't going to be a newsflash to you. But it, we're, it, 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 a bad, we're a bad three-point shooting team. Okay? This is true. <laughs> it, <laughs> this is true. In, in college basketball, there are 363 teams in division one okay that's a, lot, that's a lot of teams that's a lot of podcasts auburn auburn is 331st in three-point shooting okay i'm surprised we're that well, high. guess well guess what there are two sec teams that are worse and arkansas one, is one of them one is arkansas yeah and the other is the team we play tuesday and so against our i think Woo. we're gonna do the same thing against them 
We came out of the zone and dared them to shoot the three-pointer, and they could not do it. They couldn't do it. No, they were they, – and they couldn't even make free throws. They were having a very – their shooting was like ours against Georgia. They, it's like the team swapped, swapped uniforms. Yeah, no, so uh, – yeah, it, it, it just is amazing how much different. Uh, but I was going to say the one constant to both games was Broom. Deny yes. Broom has been good all season Steady. from game one. He has been good. Mm-hmm. And he has been – he was getting pretty frustrated in the Georgia game because there were stretches in the Georgia game where it looked like he was the only person playing defense. And that was annoying to me to death. But, um, but yeah, the other thing that's, that's been consistent is that KD Johnson has been kind of a little erratic and not – not really been I mean he's had his moments he always has his moments he it, they just seem to come fewer and farther between amid long stretches of not moments if you know what I mean mm-hmm. I was he, begging them like the third time they went down the floor and threw it to him on the wing and he ju- immediately jacks up a three I'm just like stop passing him the ball because he's going to shoot and he's going to miss and it just ah so this is, a, this is a good point about KD as a whole, but also about the how we distribute the three-pointers in this offense, right? Who takes three-point shots? Here's the three-point shooting percentage among our guards, okay? Oh, gosh. Oh, KD Lord. Johnson, 26.4%. I'm surprised it's that high. <laughs> Zep Jasper, 26.5. Really? Trey Donaldson, 26.7. Oh, God. Wendell Green, 27.9. Man. Okay. For comparison's sake, Jalen Williams, 39%. Okay. Alan Flanagan, 32.6%. Mm-hmm. And Chris Moore has only taken 16 three pointers. He's shooting 50%. <laughs> well, I mean, last year, uh, Jabari Smith, who was not a guard, was our best three point shooter. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since our best three-point shooter was a guard. I mean, it seems like it anyway. It's, it's been a little while. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we've just got to – I don't understand how – because Zepp last year was actually halfway deep. Wendell was good at the beginning of last year. I, I gotta, before I forget, i got to give credit to Ryan Starrett for tweeting that out to you, those, those numbers. But yeah, yeah. you're 100% right. Zepp was better and more effective offensively last year. He's kind of gone into a shell this year, but mm-hmm. he had a good, a couple good moments in this game, and I'm he hoping did. that gives him some confidence. He's got to be a complimentary piece on offense. He's got. I, we mm-hmm. don't need a ton. We need six to nine points from him a, a gay a game, and we'll be okay. Well, he was the he to me. Other than Jabari last last year. He seemed to be – he didn't take many three-point shots, mm-hmm. but he made a lot of them. It seemed and like. He was, and he was just steady. Like, he yeah. had confidence. Like, if I need to go get a basket, I can go get a basket. Yeah. He just – he didn't do it very often, but when he did, he would he would make it. Um, the, the thing, the difference is last year also, Wendell could hit the really long ones, the, the ones from Jared Harper range. And this season, he's not he, – he's still trying, but they're not, they're not going as much. He, he did have a stretch. He did hit a couple against Arkansas, but I, but I think we saw in this game also that like he is the, I don't know, he's the straw that stirs the drink for this team. Like, he is, he, yeah. He was terrible against Georgia, and we looked terrible. He was great against Arkansas, and we looked great. So I think it's good. He's the barometer. Well, he drove the ball against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. He took it to the basket. I have, God, how many years have I said we are so quick to just stop our offense and throw up a three? 
And if we would take it, just take it to the rim, draw fouls. The referees against Arkansas were calling everything when we did. We just, I was like, keep doing it, man. I mean, I know you're getting killed, but my gosh. And did you see the, uh, conversely, did you see the talk about, uh, about um, our, our backup center? Cardwell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dylan Cardwell. So he, he, he was he didn't play that many minutes honestly. I was surprised how he didn't play that many minutes, but he had two fouls. And on both fouls, they stopped the referee stopped the game to investigate how brutally he fouled the Arkansas guy. They called in the homicide detectives on both <laughs> fouls because he murdered those young men. Well, I was going to say as we used to say he got his money's worth out of those fouls, but <laughs> he I, did. I, the, part of the reason he's not playing as much is because of what you said earlier that Broom has really elevated yeah. his game, and he's he is the steady player on both ends of the court that's making a huge difference. Mm. He had ten points, ten rebounds, and six blocks against Arkansas. That's pretty 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 fair. Mm. That ain't bad. And, and the zone prevents that problem that we had so much against George and other teams where guys are driving right by our perimeter players. And then, like you said, Brooms defended a bunch of people by himself. So with the zone, they don't have to be all the way out on the three-point line and be in in their face aggressive. They can play back a little bit. I was reading something about the zone actually the other day. It's actually something that I typed. I didn't write it, but I typed it. I transcribed it because it was what Sonny Smith said. It said, um, you may recall this from our book. Sonny said, he said, they always used to get on me and say, Sonny, you just don't play anything but zone. And, and Sonny's like, I don't want to play zone. He said, but I had to play a lot of zone with Barkley because it was the only way to keep him from fouling out in the first half. He's like, if I go man to man, Charles is just going to kill those poor guys. You know, I had to put him in the put him in the zone to keep to have him on the field, to have him on the court in the second half. So I, I like that a lot. That's a really good... Uh, and it, and it makes sense, you know, that he uh, he had to do that. So I like it. So coming up at Ole Miss Tuesday, 8 o'clock normal time, 9 o'clock uh, Politburo East time. East Coast. Pol- yeah. uh, the, and Ole Miss is not great. They're like 8-7. and seven. They've lost a few games. Uh, as I said, they're a terrible three-point shooting team. We ought to roll the zone out again, I think, in mm. this game. And, uh, you know, this is a road game week win. This is the other thing that was so big about the Arkansas game. That's the best team we're going to play for a month. Yes. Arkansas. And so now is the time to take advantage of it, especially, you know, there's limited chances to win games on the road. We need to go get this one. Well, and, and it's, and I'm going to say, and it's holding serve at home. Because right. if you're going to lose to Georgia on the road, and again, they're better. They're not a joke anymore. But if you're going to lose to Georgia on the road, you need to win some Arkansas at home mm-hmm. and to make up for it. And this is, like you say, this is a really good chance to break serve and get a road win. And we're not going to have a ton of easy – not that this is easy. None of them are easy. But we're not going to have a ton of opportunities to get road wins that are that that are as doable as this one, I don't think. That's right. So this and, and I think we go to South Carolina. Those are the ones we got to get. Yeah, yeah. Then we come home to play Mississippi State uh, Saturday night. Um, I, I will. I was going to point out that one of the one of the Auburn podcasts has a uh, has a 
contest going on where podcast hosts were all invited to participate, and so John and I are both in it separately. And you just basically had to pick win or loss for every Auburn SEC game this season. And I am 0 for 3 now because I thought that we would lose to Florida and Arkansas and beat Georgia, and it's quite the opposite. So I am (laughs) dead last with a zero. I'm happy to be wrong, but nobody had us winning those two and losing that one. I looked at the chart this morning, and I'm like, yeah, nobody had win, loss, win. Nobody. That's right. So this has been a weird beginning to this, to maybe what could be a weird season. but uh. It has, but I, I, I think the other thing is that there's a lot of good teams in the SEC, and I don't think anybody's getting through unscathed. There's going to be teams knocking each other off left and right. So, And, and then there's Kentucky. <laughs> a lot of good teams in the SEC. And there's Kentucky. Yeah, man, Alabama slaughtered them. That, is that that Alabama's that good or Kentucky's that bad or both? Or what both, am I supposed to tell you that? Yeah. Both. Alabama's, you know, probably Tennessee's the best team in the SEC right now, but Alabama's right behind them, and they're both probably top six or seven teams in the country right now. And Kentucky is not good. Well, we're not going to win the SEC this year, but uh, we can certainly get into the – we can certainly win a couple of games in the SEC tournament, and we can certainly – well, depending on where we start. And uh, we can certainly get into the NCAAs, and that's a pretty darn good season if you have a memory like we do of all those years of not even getting into anything. Praying for the NIT. Oh, the days we spent praying for the NIT. It seems so long ago now, doesn't it? We we dreamt of that NIT home game. Oh, NIT home, yeah. Well, again, we talk about that in the book. How I think it was Cliff Ellis got us our, or maybe it was, uh, it might have been Cliff Ellis that got us our first NIT home game, just because he knew somebody at NIT and said, "Hey, why don't you let Auburn have a home game for once? We never have." And they're like, "Oh, okay, sure, Cliff, no problem." That's how you do it. <laughs> it's who you know, right? <laughs> it's not what you do on the court. It's who you know, but. Uh, yeah, we spent too much of our lives, John, hoping for the NIT. I'm excited to just have a good season this year, get into the NCAA tournament again, and then bring in some more good players and keep it rolling, keep it rolling. So what else, anything else about basketball? No, other than that, that was a, a great win. And, you know, if for a moment, some point down the road, you ever for a second doubt Bruce Pearl, you just think about this game, okay? Yeah, no kidding. And what they accomplished between, you know, the Georgia game and that Arkansas game. And they were going to have more time to practice the zone, and they did. It, they mm-hmm. practiced it in the against a good against a good uh, <laughs> in a good scrimmage there. Uh, let's shift over to football for a bit, just because there's a lot a lot of stuff going on with the transfer portal. This, I mean, you know, just just walking around uh, Auburn to the last couple of days, I'm sure all you could hear was. Because we've picked up linemen, we've picked up a running back, a receiver, I mean, a linebacker. It's just been crazy. So uh, where do you want to start with the players that we've been bringing in? Yeah, let's st- stay with the transfer portal. I think we got to – let's start – th- I like to think about it kind of chronologically. All right. So I like to – I want to start with the earliest one who, since we last talked – yeah, and that's a, a very important one. Maybe the the biggest one is another offensive tackle, Gunner Britton from Western Kentucky, a guy who started a bunch of games for them and had a very low pass rush rate against him, 
uh, you know, it was one of the top 10 guys available in the portal overall, uh, signed with Auburn in the middle last week. Huge, huge turnaround on the offensive line. And we already had how many that we brought in during uh, signing yeah. day and around in there? We had we had four high school signees mm-hmm. and the, the Good Lord. Wade, the other commitment, and a JUCO guy. Right. So six. Now this is seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the 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 somebody said we've signed more offensive linemen in the last you know month than we had before that since 2017. Man. Now, now, part of it, of course, is that a lot of the guys from before that are gone now. So we actually have room. You know, in other words, you're not coming in and competing with a bunch of fifth-year seniors. But, but part of it is we've just they these coaches have been able to sell Auburn to some players that weren't buying until very recently. Yes, I'm pretty happy about that. So very we got happy. we got Gunnar Britton. Then we went and got a defensive end from Maryland. I believe he'd only been at Maryland a, a year or two, right? He had actually come from – he's another one that had kind of been around the block a couple of times, ended up at Maryland, and now he's going to come play, his, I guess, his last year at Auburn. Yeah. But a, a productive defensive lineman, Mosiah Nasil Kite, and he – I think he had like nine tackles – or nine uh, sacks and like 15 tackles for loss or something last year. It was good. He yeah. was a productive defensive lineman in the Big Ten. And, and I get a big guy, too. I mean, I said defensive in here, but and he's about 6'2", 300, so. Man. So is he not what the what this, this last – the last few years we've been talking about the edge. That's a, that's a new thing. You didn't used to hear that. Is he well, that I mean, or is – No, no, no. He's more of a – I mean, um, think about him more like Marlon Davidson. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so my understanding is that was our guy that Freeze brought with him from Liberty, bringing him in, that defensive line coach that's apparently pretty good, pretty well-respected. Yep, yep. Good deal, good deal. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I mean, there's only so many times you can go back and bring in, uh, you know, Tracy Rocker again or something. So I was kind of glad to see him go get somebody kind of on the way up, you know, new and – well, we good. signed some good, you know, some good players out of high school, and I think in the long run we're going to be fine there. But in the short run, you know, we didn't have a lot of experienced guys up front. Yeah. You know, and 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 I think what we're seeing from this staff is they want to have some depth and rotate some guys on defense. <sighs> Hallelujah! Sure. Hallelujah! We know how important that is. All right. Mm-hmm. So then we go and raid LSU's cupboard. What's that all about? Well, yeah, this is a guy, Demario Tolan, that almost signed with Auburn a year ago. We talked about him on signing day a year ago. He came down to LSU and, and Auburn, and he went back and forth and back and forth, but then signed with LSU, but it, maybe he decided he really wanted to be at Auburn, and it was just a different coaching staff, and now there was the right time. He played, I think, in almost every game for LSU this year on defense and special teams. Oh, wow. He played a good bit. So he – and, you know, a, a – a good big physical linebacker, like 6'2", 225, and can run and make plays. So I think he's going to be a good addition. We needed another linebacker for mm-hmm. sure. That's what I was just about um, to ask you. Yeah, we needed – yeah, because we lost uh, we lost our man that's been – Oh, that's Papo. been – Papo. that's yeah. been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we may go to less kind of two linebacker sets in this defense than we had before. So – yeah, when we last year we were only playing like two inside linebackers a lot, and and I think we're going to play more uh, sets with three regular linebackers, and I think and but I think Tolan is a guy that will play a lot next year. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And, okay, back to the defensive line, we go to Purdue and get Lawrence Johnson. I don't know anything yeah, about him. I, I, another big guy, like 6'3", 3'10", or whatever. And the other thing is between the guy from Purdue and the guy from Maryland, the two defensive linemen, they both played in the Big Ten. And between the two of them, they played like 3,000 snaps or something. Wow. So these are experienced guys that have played a lot of Big Ten football. Mm-hmm. And however you feel about the Big Ten, they have seen it. You know, they've seen yeah. Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, Michigan State, and Iowa and stuff. So they, you know, they know about standing in there against the run and, and getting upfield and disrupting and stuff. So I think he could, you know, Johnson's a more of a center of the line guy, a defensive tackle and nose guard type. Uh, but again, we needed that. We need another guy that could be in there playing and, and, uh, be be stand up to the pounding you're going to get against some teams trying to run the ball on you. We got later this afternoon, the word came down of a big receiver. And when I say big, I mean like a tall dude. And I, I, I my understanding is that he is every bit of 6'6". Yes. Uh, Nick Mardner, who was at Cincinnati, and before that he was at Hawaii, is that big. And he is a, you know, a wide receiver that came to Auburn because of our new wide receiver coach. Marcus Davis. Right. Marcus Davis was his wide receiver coach at Hawaii. And now uh, he's at Auburn. And, and Mardner was at Cincinnati last year and had a good season. But before that, his last season in Hawaii with Marcus Davis, he had like 950 yards receiving. So he was pretty productive. And a, like you said, a big, tall guy that will present a good target, which we don't have a, you know, we don't have any size like that at the receiver position, so that's really good for us, I think. It's like that part of the Pink of uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, but you know how it works. Oh, on. <laughs> yes, yes. We just saw, we just saw that. We just saw. Uh, I'm so proud to say we just saw El Monstro for the second time in this last calendar, previous calendar year. And yeah, they did that. That's my wife is like, how are they going to do the helicopter when we're inside? Because <laughs> we at the amphitheater, they actually have a helicopter fly over during the concert at that point in the song. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, uh, yeah. So, all right, let me see. And then finally, that we're, we're not done yet. There's one more. There's one more. We've got one more. And that would be. A running back. Now, how do you? What do we know about this guy? I know he's from South Florida, and he's not a big guy. We were kind of wanting no, to bring in a, a big, you know, Jerome Bostic kind of Stephen Davis guy. Um, uh, what's his name? Johnson. But yeah. uh, no, he. This guy is a smaller, change of pace guy, a kick returner, run around the edge guy. Maybe a little bit Grant. You know, okay, Corey Grantish. Corey Grant. That's where, Shiver. That's my Shiver? comparison. Chivers, but I'm a little more of a kick returner, like a punt returner. Okay. I think could be really good at that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, maybe he could be a good third down back, turns like a little scat back, a receiver kind of out there and stuff. So, I I'm I'm not trying to disrespect the great job they're doing bringing in players. I just feel like we've got a we got a lot of Corey Grants and not a lot of Trey John, Trey 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 Masons on this team. I, yeah, I think our starting running back next year is going to be pretty darn good. Yeah, he was certainly better this year than I thought he was going to be. And, and I think he's going to continue to get better. He was right. He, he had moments. Yeah. They only gave him seven or eight carries a game, but he That's had. What I'm saying. He averaged like eight yards a carry. 
I think with more carries and more plays, I think he's going to get better and better and better. Again, Alston was a true freshman last year. we got another great true freshman coming in this year. And I think this guy could just be another reliable change of pace guy if we need him. I was surprised, honestly, how much playing time Demario Alston got. He he. I, um, in fact, I would I would say he 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 actually seemed to get more playing time under potatoes than he did uh, under Cadillac at the end. He was out. He, he used him in a lot of like reverse type stuff and you know misdirection plays. They did, I, but again, I think he I think he can be the solid number two productive running back next year. But this guy coming out of high school is an absolute stud, so he may just step in there and. Grab that number two job, Cobb. We'll yeah, Jeremiah Cobb. Uh, Je- <laughs> I, I hope I hope Jeremiah Cobb is more Cedric Cobb than Daniel Cobb. A Reggie Cobb. That's the one. Well, who was Cedric Cobb? I don't know who Cedric Cobb was. Is. That an Arkansas a Daniel, guy? Daniel okay. Cobb. Yeah. All right. Let me try that again. Then I hope that our Cobb, the new one, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Cobb. I hope that he's more Reggie Cobb than Daniel Cobb when it comes to running the football. <laughs> and yeah, because I'm not asking Making him plays. to. Yeah, I'm not asking him to stand back there and throw the ball and 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 outduel Jason Campbell for the start. I'm asking him to to look good running the ball. So that's all. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that is. I mean, that is what we have in terms of players just in the last few days. Yeah. Six transfers. Since we last recorded a podcast. John, I want you to do something for me. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. Put the word out there that we back up. That's what I want. That's all I want. I don't ask a lot. I'm not asking for much. So on top of the transfers... Just want we to be hated. I want to be hated and feared again. I don't want to be ignored anymore, or, or thought up, or pitied, or taken lightly. I want to be, and I say hated and feared because we're always hated. We're Auburn, right? We're used to it. They all hate us, but we want to be feared, respected. That's what we want. That's all I'm asking. All right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so. In addition to the transfers, we also did some big uh, high school recruiting this weekend. One of the players was uh, a guy that we actually signed in December, but he kept it a secret because he wanted to reveal it at the big high school all-star game on Saturday. And that was Tyler Scott, who's a a cornerback, uh, cornerback, nickelback type player. Again, a guy who was a high three-star guy, but by the end of his recruiting had offers from everybody in the country. He could have gone to Alabama or Texas or Southern Cal or a bunch of other places and signed with Auburn. And they think he's going to be a really good player. And then we got a commitment from C.J. Johnson, another really good safety on Saturday. Oh, man. So the, with the guys coming back and with the, you know, the players that we've signed to this point, the defensive back talent on this team is as good as it has ever been. That's amazing. Like, I think we have like 15 guys, and they well, can play. Well, so well, think about this. A handful of years ago, in kind of the glory age of of Steele, Kevin Steele, yeah, we had that. Yeah, we did. 
And then it sort of started trickling away and trickling away as things happened in 20 and 21 and then 22. And the cupboard started getting a little bare. And I feel like we're getting it back up, back up to where it was before all the bad stuff happened. That's right. Happened. 100%. And if every position was as good as this, we'd oh. be fine, right? Oh, my gosh. But the other piece, the other reason to do this is because some of the guys came back, DJ James and Pritchett and stuff came back. They could have gone to the NFL, but they and three or four other guys are all done after next year, right? Yeah, right, right. So yeah, you've got to have a wave of players who could start – you know, a year from this August, step in, and yeah. I, and we, I think we have the talent and the depth to, to identify those guys now. We can play a lot of those guys in backup roles this fall and get them ready. I'm excited. Well, you know, and that's the funny thing too is while, and I mean, certainly when you take that last step to the level of the teams that are playing tonight and played last week, you need a big, powerful offense with all the flashy bells and whistles. But when you're just trying to get back up off the floor. When you're trying to just get back up out of the gutter, where you start is on the lines and on defense. And that's what we've done. We can go bring in, you know, some more receivers and a flashy quarterback and, and some running backs, whatever. But you've got to be able to win the line of scrimmage or at least not get whipped on it every play. And that's mm-hmm. what we're doing first. And that's, that's absolutely right absolutely the right thing to do and i couldn't be happier about it yeah and we talked a lot last week about the explosive passing offenses of college football now and how and the examples from the playoff games and stuff and having a lot of great depth and talent and secondary allows you to hang around with those guys and not get annihilated it's absolutely right that's right well that was what uh tuberville figured out you know after florida beat our brains in a couple of times he's like i got to go out and get some some defensive backs that can cover Mm-hmm. Like Terry Bowden had actually in '93 and '94 is what he had to go and get, and he did. Um, let's see, is there anything else? Um, so I don't think so. Three commit- commitments today. Oh yeah, the yeah. Okay, I I put in some notes here. It is interesting too that of the the transfers that we got was it, are these transfers or yeah transfer transfer. Uh, three star, four star, and three star, but these are people that are good. I mean, just it just once again shows you that what you get rated coming out of high school is not always how you end up, right? I mean, it, it's it's now you know given the choice, I'll take a team full of five stars, sure, but there's no guarantee every one of those five stars is going to work out, and there's going to be plenty of three and four stars that are going to play like five stars before they're done. So. Um, but what do you think about the quarterback situation? We we're still got to find somebody. We we we've brought in a freshman. We have a guy we redshirted. So we've we've got some bodies behind uh, Robbie. But we kind of want somebody that can compete with him or be ahead of him at least for a year, right? And I mean, are they going to get anybody? What do you think? I don't know. The short answer is I don't know. I'm not sure who's out there right now that is a difference maker, right? Yeah. Um, Are we still looking at the Oklahoma State guy? I think so, and I think he. We'll see if he comes in for a visit or whatever. But I think we we're also kind of waiting to see if some of the other guys would jump into the portal after these last batch of bowl games, like the New Year's Day yeah, games. That's there was a rumor at one point like the Tulane quarterback might get in the portal, hmm. and I, I'd take that guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they looked so Tulane. Right? Um. All right. So that'll get this will get us through twenty twenty three and at least give us 
breathing room, right? If nothing else, it gives us breathing room to bring in more high school players that we can get three, four years maybe out of going forward. But you got to be able to – you don't want to go two and ten next year, three and nine next year while you're trying to bring in – that's how it used to be, right? It used to be if you were doing a complete rebuilding project, you're going to have a three and nine year and then like a five and six year, or five, a five and seven year – and then like an eight and five year, and then by the fourth year, you're competitive with the best teams. But it doesn't work that way anymore. You should be able to go out and do what we're doing right now if you have a good coach. If you have a good coach and a good staff and you're a good program with proper facilities and all those things that we have, you should be able to go out and make yourself, what, an eight and five team immediately from whatever you were before? Probably? Yes. Because you're 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 going to have to you know you're still probably a little ways from from straight up competing with the best. And we always talked about like the old Jimmy Johnson thing was like lose big, lose close, win close, close win, big. win big. That's it. That's right. That's how it used to be. And I think now you can kind of go from lose big to win close in one year, and then in your second year you try to win big. So. Um, we, we and and for Auburn we have very specific benchmarks that are that have been constant forever. When we when we climb out of the basement and get back up to acceptable Auburn football, that means beating Ole Miss and beating Mississippi State, not losing to Vanderbilt, beating Kentucky, being more than competitive with a Tennessee, uh, beating LSU at home, uh, and and maybe beating Alabama, Georgia. I don't even know what the hell. Um, but that's, you know, you can usually kind of judge an Auburn season by how we do against the Mississippi schools. I've always said that, right? That's the key. If we, if we go 0 2 against Mississippi schools, that's one of those really bad years like 2015 or, or 20, uh, 2008, you know, or one of those really mm-hmm. 12, you know, whatever. Uh, but when we beat the Mississippi teams, that usually means we're going to win eight, nine, 10 or more games. Because if we can beat them, we can beat the East team that we get randomly stuck with, like a Kentucky or Vanderbilt. And it means that we can be competitive with LSU usually, maybe you know a Florida or a Tennessee or whoever, and then Alabama and Georgia. They're going to be the ones that give us the, the trouble. So, and maybe you know if we have like a Clemson or somebody on the out of conference. So, um, yeah, I think we can get back to being that kind of team pretty quick. I think so too. All right. Uh, well, remember, we don't do ads on this show. If you don't want to hear ads, you're in luck. This is the show. You came to the right place. I you know, honestly think we're probably the only Auburn podcast that I know of that doesn't run ads constantly. I mean, there's some that just have ads that flat out interrupt the show. I can't stand that. Right in the middle of a sentence, they'll just, have you had a problem with sexual potency? And then um, there's also the ones that don't have ads, but they talk about who their sponsor is for about 10 or 15 minutes. And that's all well and good. They do what they got to do to pay their bills. We don't do that. We have our great listeners who go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. And in exchange, instead of hearing ads, you get to hear about them and their clever names. So go and get to you get to participate in things like our Bowl Pick'em, our Fantasy Formula One, our March Madness brackets, all the various wacky things that John kind of comes up with us to constantly do. You can also, as a patron, order a uh, signed copy, hardcover copy of the basketball book, Auburn Basketball from Barkley to Bruce. Just once you become a patron, just send us a message and uh, we'll direct you to information on how to get a copy. Um, 
Oh, I did want to make an update on the basketball book because there's at this point there's like 10 more patrons that have ordered signed copies. And we've been dealing with the post office for like two months now. So I ordered your copies in freaking early November thereabouts. And there were delays producing them and then getting to John. And then the post office was kind of screwing you over, John, and then getting to me. Um, I still haven't received any, but I know John has shipped them. So as soon as the first batch gets to my house, I promise you I'm going to sign my name where he's already signed his, box that sucker up, and get it off to you within 24 hours. So if you have ordered, if you are a patron who has ordered a hardcover copy signed of the basketball book and you have not gotten it yet, I have your name written down here, and you will get it ASAP. And I'm going to have to order another batch probably pretty soon because we just keep getting orders, and that's great. Uh, I will remind you one other thing about the basketball book. We really don't make any profit off of the signed hardcovers. That is just as a special bonus for our patrons. As I've said before, you know, I wouldn't, I don't, none, none of them have, but I wouldn't blame a patron for saying, hey, if I'm a patron, why do I have to pay all this money for a book? And it's because it's just the cost of it. They are expensive. They're they are one-off produced. And then uh, we have to pay to ship them to John, then pay to ship them to me, then pay to ship them to you. So it gets expensive. So whatever we charge, ridiculous, it's just basically covering the cost. All right. Uh, but we're happy to do it because we want you guys to have it, and we want to provide a nice bonus for our listeners. Here are the awesome folks currently Oh, and here's one more. I'm sorry, but I got to say this just to kind of keep everybody squared away here. Um, I read the, uh, the names of our patrons in order of what tier you are in, okay? Starting tonight, I'm going to go by what it says on the screen. Um, but there, I know for a fact that there are multiple patrons, and God bless you, there are multiple patrons who their monthly pledge is higher than the tier they're listed in. I wrote, I contacted Patreon. I said, is there any way that I can go in and correct that? In other words, if you pledged $5 a month, but you're listed under the $1 tier, then you show up on my screen as a $1, even though you pay 5 And I said, is there any way to fix this? And Patreon said, no. They said only the patrons can tamper with their account, right? I am not allowed and Patreon is not allowed to mess with your account. Only you can. So I'm asking you, patrons, if you are not in the tier that, you, that you're supposed to be in, please just go into Patreon and change your tier. It should let you if you're already pledged to a higher amount. The rest of you, I'm sure that was not very exciting, and I apologize, but that's just a really important thing because I don't want people to think they're getting ripped off, right? So I'm going to go by what it says on the Patreon screen, and if it's not where you think you are, please just go in and fix it because I'm not allowed to. Okay, here we go. Here is what it says on my screen. We have to thank our patrons, including Boris the Tiger's burner account. Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Logan Chilton. Hey, there goes Tank. 
uh, Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier level sponsor, and paying for Adam Hill's grounds crew level sponsor. Interesting. Uh, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, 76 Tiger Esquire, official sleazy lawyer of... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage! That's right. Basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. Ben Bloodworth, Chris and Clinton Stewart, and Chris, I think that might be the one that really needs to be fixed, but I can't fix it. Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. Freeze has more O-line commits in four weeks than Horace. Oh, the... I, I, I got to do this one again because I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say it. Freeze has more O-line commits in four weeks than potato had in two years. Uh, I enjoyed the LOTR trivia battle. Lord of the Ring. Yeah, John and I did Lord of the Rings trivia battle uh, as we always do right around Christmas, New Year's. And that's uh, if you want to hear John and me do uh, an hour of Lord of the Rings trivia battling, there's seven years of it you can now access. Just go to our sister show, the White Rocket is. I think it's it's it's. It, you look up White Rocket Entertainment. It's it's the mothership based for this network, even though this is the far more popular show. Uh, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, second shift pole dancer at you Jones know where. Barbecue foot massage. Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Logan, Mickey B, Algorithm Blues. I feel like I have a lot more instructions tonight than I usually do, and I'm sorry about that. Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Browns, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, uh, WDE Richie, it's Hugh Freeze time. Freeze. That's right. Uh, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body. Returning to Everything School, amen to that, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, I guess it's his regular account, Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, uh, Double-Digit Murder in Memphis, a Hugo Sleaze story? Sounds like a book I'd like to read. Um, Die Bama, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Just Wait Till Next Year, uh, Kevin, uh, amen, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous sponsors. Yeah! Uh, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Steve Houston, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry. We want access to College Bowl. Pick them. Well, that's over with now, sir. Uh, but we'll go on to the next thing. Wiggle87 at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I need to get me some of that Mad Reaper Pepper. Alex Wynn, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald, uh, Escort, Hugh Freeze elsewhere. We still have differing of opinions there. Uh, we gotta. Um, and we gotta get better at celebrating. That's probably the only reason I still have that sound clip on the board at this late date, even though they are now, it's now a Central Florida sound clip, basically. Um, uh, I am Tiger. Boris doesn't even smell strong. That's why he lives with Van. <laughs> That's insulting to me and Boris. Uh, oh, and then Mark gets lets me insert my favorite random sound clip. I think. I'm going to go this time with... I got great news for you. 
Auburn beat Alabama by 12 points. No, no, this is important, honestly. Man, that one never gets old. I love that. And finally, our last few, I'll buy this for a dollar, and you did. James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Albrecht, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joe, uh, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, The Barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for Life, Mark Squire, MVP, Captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. That's not true. Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom at... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. That remains a very popular sound clip. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. Van dominates this segment like Bo Jackson owns Tech Mobile. <laughs> I like that. Um... Oh, I did remove the one that was, uh, he's out, he's moving around out there or whatever. I don't have that one anymore. I would have been going to play that. Uh, why are you booing John? He's right. And Brent, I don't know what that one's about. And Brent Rumble, plus our one time and anonymous patrons and donors. And we've had some and we really appreciate. We thank you all. Go to www.war, uh, I mean, www.auwishbone.com. I'm sending them to the wrong website, John. www.auwishbone.com. Dot com. Oh, did you see I updated the uh, the banner on the top of the uh, the Wishbones um, Podbean page where the actual pod pod pods are stored? So we'll. I did see that. Yeah, just threw me up. I had to throw up a Jordan Hare and a Neville Arena and an Aubie and then a couple of copies, a couple of covers of our books, pretty much. And so, uh, and I've been kind of leaning in. We, you know, we've been doing this show every Monday night, putting it up by Tuesday morning for several years now. And we really haven't leaned into the fact that we are as reliable as the seasons and the of the earth and everything. So I figure, hey, you know, let's just put on there every Tuesday morning because we are. All right, we gotta guess the game. You ready? Bring it on. All right, Jared's back. Hello, Van, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, here with guess the game number seventy-five. Guess the game number 75 is brought to you by R. Conrad Ramsey. And for the special 75th Guess the Game, Woo. we're going to do things a little differently because the play that Conrad picked is a little short, and I think it would be very challenging. So yeah. I'll I'll play his play in the initial round with okay. the bleeps, and I think it's going to be a little tough. Maybe I'm wrong. And I really want you to work on that because in the hint file, what I'm going to do is play the subsequent play, which was a little bit bigger. With no bleeps. So I think you'll have a much better chance once you hear the subsequent play in the hint file. So in the original file, again, it's going to be pretty short. There's going to be a couple of bleeps. Not a lot to work with. I'll be seriously impressed if you get it. Let's give it a listen. That's how they set their defense and set all their checks on the defensive side. Therefore, more motion tonight. Cox draw play this inside the five. Dragging tacklers with him. Still on his feet. All right, guys, uh, work on that for a minute, and I will see you in the hint file where we will hear the subsequent play. I feel like I heard Cox, Brandon Cox, which would make that uh, inside draw to maybe um, Jer- uh, Kenny Irons. Kenny Kenny Irons. Could be. Yeah, I like that. So that'd be 05. So what time period we're talking about? 05? Yeah. I mean, the LSU the, game. And I'm going to say, in the next game, in the next, well, but. We lost that game. Well, yeah, the Kenny Irons game we lost because we missed all those field goals. He had a great game. He had like 200 yards on him. But, yeah. Um, 
Well, what that sounded like it was setting up a touchdown. Like we were on the goal line on the next play mm-hmm. we score. But it, he was it was dragging defenders, it sounded like. Right. Kind yeah. of right. So that sounds more Kenny Irons than it does like Brad Lester or anybody else we had mm-hmm. during that period. So there's the Georgia game, but that wouldn't have been the play before the big long pass, would it? No, because that you know. there nope, was nope, nope. who else did we beat in 05 that was really Alabama? That was the uh, honk if you sack Brody game, Iron Bowl. Could be that one. Could be. I don't. Yeah, I agree with Jared that there's not a whole lot to work with beyond just a general range. All right, let's do my normal thing. The announce. I think it was Blackledge. Okay. Yeah, maybe. The ESPN game, maybe? I don't recognize his voice as well as some, but yeah, maybe so. So that would be, yeah. I, I was at that Alabama game, but I don't, and it was in Auburn, but I don't remember yeah. what time of day it was. I was there too. I feel like it was in the afternoon. Yeah, afternoon, evening kind of thing, yeah. All right, well, I think we've done about all we could really do with it, which is kind of get it in the, if, if we're right, maybe he just said, he tripped over a box. Maybe it was a Cox. I don't know. But I think that's about the best we can do is to narrow it down to Brandon Cox and maybe uh, Kenny Irons and and maybe it's the honk if you sack Brody Iron Bowl or something like that. All right. I think that's about as well as we can do. Let's go ahead and do the hint. All right. Here we are in the hint file. Let's listen to what happened after that first play. 11 plays, 63 yards on the drive. Again, first and goal. Lowers his shoulder to the goal line. Okay, now let me know what you think if you haven't gotten it already. Tate? Ben Tate. Yeah, you Ben Tated. But that but Tate was six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight, nine. And Cox was there in six and seven. So that could be that could be the six iron bowl or the seven iron bowl easily. Um, it could be the six or seven Florida game. Mm. We won all four of those. Yep, I like that. Man, that was good times. When we beat, we swept Florida and Alabama those two years. Woo, baby, good stuff. Tommy at the height of his powers back then. Um, other than 04. Uh yeah, six and seven. Uh, you want to just pick one? I heard the Auburn band, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was a home game. It sounded kind of like a home game, didn't it? Let's say, yeah, let's say it was a home game. I think so. That'd be six Florida or seven Alabama. Watch it be like freaking Bowling Green or something. Vanderbilt. All Um, right. Let's let's say uh, let's say the the 06 Florida game. Okay, Van John, if you figured it out correctly, then you figured out this is the 2007 Iron Bowl, Auburn playing Alabama (laughs) touchdown game. From Ben Tate. I, was I want to thank too. R. Conrad Ramsey for sending that in. If you'd like to send in a play to guess the game, it's pretty simple. You can contact me on social media. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can send the play to Jared, that's J A R R O D, at theyardsaleartist.com. And until next time, Van, John, for Eagle. Oh, another. Another great job by Jared and the folks that he gets to contribute, and I hope people never stop doing it. I got to say, even though we flipped a coin and got the wrong one, we had it narrowed down to those two, and it was one of the two. I don't feel too bad about that. 
No, I, I mean, again, I, I made the call. I made the coin toss call, and I was wrong. But you, we had it on the right two places, so. And I, you know, I think, I'm just going to say this because I don't produce this segment. I merely enjoy it like the listeners and get to participate in it with you. I think this is probably one of the best segments any podcast does. Not just any Auburn podcast. This is one of the best podcasts out there right now, I think. Yeah. Fun one of the best for segments. us and fun for the listeners. And that's yeah. a great segment. It's Everybody enjoys trying to. And I'm interested if you beat us in that one, I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's people. Oh, you know that there's like the there's like the two or three folks out there. They're like, man, I was like screaming at, the po- screaming at my iPhone. You idiots. It's obviously the Alabama game. <laughs> You know, I know that there's going to be at least three people that say that. And I believe them. I believe them. Anyway. All right. Well, that was always fun. And we appreciate Jared for... uh, Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, dun, dun. On the AU Wishbone Podcast. Oh, for the muse of fire. What have we got this week? Speaking of... Our colleague Jared, we have a great listener question from him. Are you ready? Oh, I, I well, uh. <laughs> okay. Here we go. He says what he says. Should you need a listener question to carry you through your live coverage of a hopeful TCU victory? Oh gosh, <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. He says, "What do you think is the single most important individual to shaping?" Each SEC school's reputation, not necessarily a school's exact reputation at this moment, but more of its overall reputation. For example, if you had to pick just one person and say, this lynch, this person is the linchpin of everything Auburn football as we know it, who would that be? Bo, Shug Jordan, Pat Dye, George Petrie? I would love to hear both of your thoughts. Uh, before I do, I just pulled this up on my iPad here. Yeah, it no, is I'm, now. I'm, 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 I'm watching. We haven't given an up, we haven't given an update. It is. I just looked down and it's fifty two to seven. Yeah, uh, late third quarter. There's a whole other quarter to go. Georgia's going to have their the ball boys out there and the cheerleaders out there playing, and it's still going to be. It's embarrassing, man. I think this is like. Remember, I said last week that it's like. It's gonna. It could be like the AFC and NFC championship games in the Super Bowl used to be, where you'd have a really good AFC championship game between, like, you know, Buffalo and New England or something. And you have a really good NFC championship game, like between Dallas and San Francisco or something. And then they get in the Super Bowl, and one would just obliterate the other. The Super Bowl always sucked. That's kind of what we're getting. Yeah, but it, we had two good games last week. Exactly. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but it. It's just too bad. All right, so Jared asked a really interesting question there, uh, but I want you to restate the nub of his question so everybody gets it really well here. All right, so the question is this. we're gonna, Who do you think is the single most important individual to shaping each SEC school's reputation? Not their reputation at this moment, but its overall reputation. Okay. He says, for example, for Auburn, if you had to pick one person and say, Right. This person is the linchpin to everything that is Auburn football as we know it. Who would that be? Bo Jackson, Shug Jordan, Pat Dye, George Petrie. So yeah, it, we're gonna. It, it used to be Shug, no doubt about it, but I don't think that's true anymore. That's right. So we're. I'm gonna walk through the schools. We'll start in the east, and okay. some of them we may not know. Right, right. But 
for the ones we know, we're going to say this is the person that shaped their reputation. Let's okay? try. It. Let's. I think we'll probably get six of these, maybe even close right. to anything. All right. So we're going to start with the easy one. Florida. Spurrier. Ding ding. Over. Okay. Tennessee. Fulmer. I think it's Fulmer. All right. Georgia. Dooley. I think Dooley's still. It's. It's. I think if you're much younger than us, no. But for people eh, right around our age or older, it's Vince Dooley is the face of Georgia Bulldogs. You think it's Herschel? No, I think it's I think it's Dooley. Um, Missouri. <laughs> uh, Truman. Yeah. Truman the Tiger. I think Gary Pinkle or whatever. Uh, uh, tr- it's Truman. Um, it's Harry Truman. Vanderbilt. Um, uh, Albert Einstein. Uh, I mean, Encyclopedia Brown. Encyclopedia Brown. <laughs> Okay. All right. James Franklin. Um, oh my God. All right. I, I was being honest. They, I, you're probably you're probably right, honestly. But about that Jay Cardwell Cutler, guy that was so uh, terrible up there a few years ago. Um, or was that Woody Woodenhofer. Oh yeah. Well, um, there it is. Woody Woodenhofer. Bing, bing, bing. That's it. South Carolina. Uh, Lou Holtz. Steve Spurrier. I kind of want to say Spurrier again. I know, I know, but Holtz made a big. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he was there longer than Holtz. Isn't it weird well, that what? freaking South Carolina had Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier as coaches after their not before what? on the way up, but what? on the way down? What I mean, uh, Tannehill. No, yeah, it's probably one of those two. I mean, Sterling Sharp. I yeah, George Rogers. George Rogers. Yeah, but uh, at, we we. John, we just we just wrote a book on South Carolina football. Okay. That was it. All right. We're leaving it. Okay. Clowny. Going to the West. Clowny. Clowny. I like it. It's Clowny. All right. Going to the West. Okay. A and M. That little dog. No, Manziel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for better and worse. For better That's and Manziel. worse. It is. Yeah. All right. LSU. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I, I mean. There's there's so many choices there. This is the first one that I feel like I've got too many choices. Florida was kind of, but I mean, do you go with football? He wasn't there that long, but he did win a national championship. There's less miles. I mean, you got to get, I mean, less was pretty much LSU for a while. There's, I mean, Saban. There was Saban, but but you can't, he's not LSU though. He, well, he did kind of put him on the map. He He changed the trajectory of that program. Dang they it. were at one level before he got there, and they were at a different level Why? after he left. Why did he have to do that? They were doing just fine with the Curly Hallmans of the world. And <laughs> Saban had to go in there and make them a legitimate contending team year after year, and it ticks me off, right? Oh, man. All right. Uh, Burrow? Joe Burrow? I, by the way, I like that A&M is a player that was there for like three years, years ago, and not their current bajillion-dollar coach, national championship-winning coach. That says a lot about a lot of things, I think, about A&M. All right, which, which one did you say? I was going to go back to LSU. I was oh, LSU. I say Les Miles. Kevin Falk. Okay. I'm going to say Les Miles. I think oh, or, Les Miles. But I really think it should be a defensive back for LSU, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Peters, what was his name? Peter? Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson. Uh, I or honey badger, that, yeah, yeah, honey badger dude, or yeah. I, 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 I think Glenn, that Glenn Dorsey. And, uh, I think it's Les Miles. I'm, I'm okay. I'm all I, in I'm, on Les Miles, even though I, football is 
up there. He, if he had had sustained success, I think he would have passed less miles, especially since he already had the national championship. All right, uh, I was going to Jamarcus Russell. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I like that. All right, uh, Arkansas. Darren McFadden. Yeah, I gotta say it's not well, Petrino. Really, it's uh, what's his name, the guy who was their uh, you know coach that battled Dare Royal and them. Uh, oh, um, Jimmy? No, not Jimmy Johnson. The um, guy, the stadiums. The, I think his name's in the stadium. Reynolds or yeah, I know what you're. Uh, the the one when they played Texas in the national championship game or whatever, and uh, Richard Nixon called the plays and stuff. That's pretty cool, by the way. Well, I I think that it looks like Texas is going to score here, so we'd better resign. Resign the game. I've never been a quitter, but Texas is going to score. It's a good Republican cloth coat. We're not giving this dog back. Okay, thank uh, you. I am not a crook. I'm not an offensive coordinator. Uh, <laughs> uh, Frank Broyles was Frank the guy Broyles. I was trying to think of. Oh, uh, yeah, that was uh, it, Keith Jackson's partner for years. Yeah, he was there from 1958 to 1976, and then he was athletic director. Forever. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Frank Broyles is the guy. I, John, I am not an offensive coordinator. Uh, I have never claimed uh, to be an offensive coordinator. You listen to the recordings from the office in Razorback Stadium. I am not a coordinator. Ford was the football player. He was. He was a Michigan star running back. Yeah. Sometimes he even wore his helmet. Um. All right. Ole Miss. Oh, man. Uh, Archie. Yeah. I, he was before my time. I don't remember him playing there, but I will admit that. And when you got to go all the way back to there, you know – Things haven't well, been. Well, I was going to say, it, in the modern mojo of what about the, the what's that guy's name? Yes. The guy who was quarterback there who, when Freeze was there, who was an absolute maniac or whatever. Oh, yeah. The doctor, doctor or whatever. Dr. Bo. Dr. Bo Wallace. Yeah. I, I was going to say Eli Manning, maybe. Okay. Eli Manning is a, is a good I like that Eli Manning is Ole Miss, but the much more famous Peyton Manning is not Tennessee. That says no. a lot about the two schools. Well, again, they won a national title after he left. After he left. Without his Heisman less Trophy. talented quarterback. Uh, no Manning I, has ever won a Heisman Trophy, by the way. I just want to put that out. Mississippi no State. Manning. Oh, the guy that didn't wear socks. Yeah. Joey Dunn. Joey Dunn. 100%. Joey Dunn, baby. 100% Joey Dunn. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably Mullen, but I don't care. It's Joey Dunn. I like Joey Dunn. I, That's great. I mean, I... All right. Um, have we gotten uh, everybody in the West too? Have we done? I all think four? we've done everybody in the West. All right, let's go alphabetically. Alabama, Arkansas. We haven't done Auburn. Alabama, Arkansas. No, we got to do Alabama and Auburn. So Alabama. It's saving. It is now at this point. Yeah, it didn't used to be. Obviously, five minutes ago it was Bear Bryant, but now it's saving. Yeah. That's ridiculous that they got two of that stature, but that's why they. That's why they're what they are. Um, yeah, Alabama, right, Auburn, Auburn, Arkansas. Uh, LSU, the Mississippi's, uh, and A and M. Okay, so Auburn. I mean, it it might be Bo Jackson. I think Bo's had a bigger cultural impact overall than Cam. I think Cam, just within like football, is 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 better and probably known today to younger people. But just in terms of American pop culture, I think Bo is still. But the the question is about reputation, kind of a perception, right? So did Cam elevate Auburn and its reputation and perception and make it fun, cool, crazy in a way it wasn't? Not for it just he didn't have very long. It was just mm-hmm. like a it was just like a it was like four months, really, honestly. 
So, uh, given that, Pat Dye? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's between Bo and Pat Dye. I, I'm, I can flip a coin, honestly. I think it's between Bo Jackson and Pat Dye. I think it's fair. Whereas right. basketball, it's Barkley, and it's the beginning and the end, and we're done. And, and now Bruce. Right. Here comes Bruce, so yeah. All right, that was one long question from Jeremy. That was a very good question. That was good. It was fun. And we thought about it. All right, that was, that was fun. Thank you, Jared. All right, now, our other question tonight is from Bill Miner, who says, Guys, in light of Bobby Petrino being hired <laughs> by Jimbo Fisher at A&M to be OC, oh how much would you like to see a Buddy Ryan, Kevin Gilbride, 1993 Oilers <laughs> scuffle yes. on the sidelines? Yes. Please clap. That's so good. I rem- I watched that game as it happened. I remember Buddy Ryan and Gilbride. That was so... Was that when they were both of the Oilers? Yes. So Jack Pardee is standing there while his, while his offensive and defensive coordinators are about to murder each other. Yeah, because they were running the run and shoot. Mm-hmm. And Buddy Ryan hated it because it put the defense back on the field too quick. Didn't run the clock. He called, he called it the chuck and duck. Yeah, he hated it. So it put the because it put his defense back on the field and made his defense look made their numbers look bad and that's what you know. Remember when we hired Gus? There was talk of oh you know you're gonna want to slow it down, son, because you don't want the defense to get tired. So um, yeah, they actually came to blows. That was so funny. Buddy Ryan was a maniac. He was a nut. He was psycho. Worked out for the '85 Bears, but then other than that, all right, it's time to go around the SEC so we can continue to talk about this topic. All right, let's do it then. So we're gonna have to take a trip then. The slow beginning on this one. There it goes. Hey now. Let's take a trip around the SEC. It's uh, 52 to 7, Georgia, and they're showing Stetson Bennett's mom in the stands. Because <laughs> she's about to come in <laughs> that's, and start. That's the level of the game she's, we're at. She's about uh, to come in and play, uh, take some snaps. But the, but the topic I wanted to talk about was the news of the real news of the week. Yeah. Much bigger than this national title game. Bobby oh. Petrino. Is back, back in the SEC, He's working for Jimbo Fisher as offensive coordinator. What was your instant reaction when you heard this news? Honestly, my instant reaction was I am not at all surprised because we know that Petrino can field a very effective offense. He, he did it at Arkansas. He did it in other places. And, I mean, he had Arkansas – you know, like a, a New Year's Day bowl team there for a couple of years. I think they played like Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl or something one year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and when we played them in 2010 with Cam, that was a Petrino Arkansas team that we were going back and forth and and trading haymakers with. And I think what was probably the most fun game of the entire 2010 season was that Arkansas the game, game the with game Petrino. Was oh, it's so crazy. Yeah. So I didn't. I wasn't he, surprised. What about you? Well, he's an excellent offensive coordinator. I've always said, it. again, he was the offensive coordinator at Auburn in, night, in 2002, and our offense was outstanding that year. It was really good. And he apparently made it look easy, and that led to the Nolsminger debacle. So, um, <laughs> yeah, because he went to Louisville, but, and we were left with nothing. But he jumped around from place to place and left dumpster fires in his wake often. Mm-hmm. And... Um, was uh, and then a bit of a schmuck. 
and then came the motorcycle incident. And then he hired his mistress into a high-paying position in Arkansas and then was caught doing it because she was on the back of his motorcycle when the motorcycle wrecked. So, he again, how, how did he become the head coach at Arkansas? Well, he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and he quit the team by basically writing them a Post-it note during the season and leaving it in the locker room and walking out. See ya. So... Uh, he left Louisville in shambles, and then they hired him again later. They did. So, uh, and he left him in shambles again. Yep. So uh, the biggest thing here is, again, he's a good offensive coach, and he's a, res- a veteran enough coach that I think he could tell Jimbo, you know, F off or whatever, get out of my face. But <laughs> they, did you Jimbo, see that they made, spe- they made sure to say, Jimbo will still have a very strong hand on the offensive yeah. Again, Jimbo Fisher has been calling plays forever. That's his identity. That's what he does. And I don't think he can take his hand off the steering wheel. I don't. So I think this this partnership is doomed because I don't think Jimbo can stay out of it. I, he yeah. can stand out for a game or two. But the min, even if things go well, he'll be like, Oh, uh, I got to get credit for these ideas and stuff Hmm. and he'll meddle and then it'll come apart. So I, I predict explosions. The only thing that might make it less likely to do that. And I agree with you, that will be delicious and hilarious is that they are similar. I think in their offensive approach, at least in a base level where um, Jimbo talks a lot about his offense being an NFL offense, right? And I remember when Petrino was our offensive coordinator that year, I remember Tuberville saying how Petrino uses a lot of NFL stuff. He says, you know, in this is what Tuberville said. Bear in mind, this is 20 years ago. But Tuberville was saying how in college, it's more about scheme and, and the team does whatever to try to execute its plan. Whereas in the pros, it's he said, Tuberville said 20 years ago, it's more about finding matchups and isolating, you know, your guy against yeah. their guy that you can beat. And so that was what Petrino was apparently really good at. And I do know, while I'm not a big fan of the drop back survey the field passing game, um, he he is about as good at making that work as anybody I've ever seen, honestly. He is. I mean, he's great at that. He can move guys and position guys and scheme guys, he will find your weakness before yes. the matchup and then they will exploit it. And yeah. he will keep poking it and keep and he won't just like, oh, we're gonna do this one time. If he finds one of your defensive backs can't cover, he's gonna isolate guys on him all day and oh, abuse that kid. Do you remember what he did in the two thousand two Iron Bowl, he was the offensive coordinator of the Iron Bowl where Trey Smith had like 150 yards on Alabama when Alabama was really good. And because all of our other running backs were hurt, Cadillac and Ronnie. And what he remember he what he did was he figured out that Alabama was covering our big tight end Robert Johnson with a defensive end. And so he just had Johnson abuse that Alabama defensive end and he caught like two touchdowns or something, or at least he caught one and got down close with another one. So yeah, that's exactly that's right. it. No, he so again. But can Jimbo let him go? Can Jimbo stay <laughs> out? Can Jimbo so stay off the headset? Can Jimbo stay out of the calling it? No, I, I'm skeptical. I'm not sure he can. So that was the big news. And then the less big news was uh, former Auburn offensive line coach Will Friend is now at Mississippi State. They're kind of ditching the the air raid. It looks like there were rumors of Mike Bobo going, <laughs> which may happen after this game, but it may not happen. So I was just but, saying on Twitter, can you imagine – 
being a team, a school, a program that has the air raid, and then can you imagine, oh, well, obviously with Coach Leach has passed away, so we're going to go to the Mike Bobo offense now. I'm sure that won't be a big drop down or anything. I'm sure we'll continue our great offensive production by switching from the Mike Leach air raid to Bobo. If I were a Mississippi State fan, as soon as I heard that, I would just start like, Making the noose for myself. I'd start <laughs> we- weaving that rope. I got Again, nothing I, left to live for at this point. I don't think Bobo's going to go. And do you know why? Because Auburn's still paying him oh, for another geez. year. So he God. doesn't have to. He could sit in Georgia and help them run that team and, and uh, hang out with his buddies and we pay him. Auburn's still paying George Washington. My gosh, what the heck, man? Well, I, you know, I. That's Washington what, didn't sign enough offensive linemen, man. We have to get rid of <laughs> I that's that happens so often is when a when a, a team a program has something that's really working and cool, but it's so identified with one coach, and you just can't replace it. And you bring in, you know, you bring in some other coach, and he says, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna run this other thing that'll be just as good or better," and it never is. And I just hate it for Mississippi. I'm glad in terms of maybe we'll you know get back to dominating them again like we're supposed to, like God intended. But I kind of hate it for Mississippi State because they had to really love having that offense. You know, only only one. T- it's like there was that one thing out there. One team got to have Mike Leach in the air raid. One team, and they were the ones, and they were lucky, and they knew it. And and now they don't get to have that anymore, and it kind of sucks. And I, I hate it for them because that was cool. They're going to go back to being a conventional offense, I guess. And yeah, they, they aren't. Uh, I don't know. Is it me or is it a little bit like we just buried the guy and we're throwing his offensive playbook out the window a week later? That's a little. Yeah. I get it. I get it because you got to have somebody who's in and who's wholly committed and stuff. But I honestly feel like if you've got the fans to buy into the to the air raid. You go out and find somebody else that runs the air raid. I, I, you know, I mean, like if if Gus had, God forbid, fallen off of a cliff after 2013, I'd have wanted to go find somebody that did the hurry the hurry up no huddle and ran the power you know the power spread thing. That's what I would have wanted. I'm like, yeah, I want to keep doing that. That was awesome. So it just kind of sucks that they have to just throw everything out the window and totally change. But that's how it goes. That's right. So. It's not the first time. All right. Well, we are at the end of our uh, list of topics. We had, a, we had a whole lot to cover. What's the what's just our final scoring update going to be here? It's uh, fifty nine to seven. Fifty nine. Uh, <laughs> Every time I ask, it's another. No, it's uh, five or six minutes to go. Every time I've asked you, it's been another touchdown. So, is it going to be sixty six at the final? Uh, the final horn going to be sixty six. I bet. 66 to 7. Poor TCU. They go out and beat Michigan, and this is what they get. It, a curb stomping. They were very much the A, happy to be their team, yeah. and B, if they'd have won, they would have pro- been the one team that broke through and proved the blue chip ratio wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't get prove it wrong. Nope. All right, last thoughts. This is, the, this is the end of football season right now. We're watching the very end of this football season. It's a long time until August, but we can make it. Yep. We're gonna. I got some ideas. Yep. We'll we got talk good about stuff. We got good stuff next coming week. Up. We got some fun things to do, and it's all in a basketball time. It is. But I have enjoyed this football season thoroughly. Now we'll miss it. 
I'm gonna put the I'm gonna use the football opening. We have a football opening and a basketball opening for this program. I'm gonna use the football opening tonight one last time for a little while, and then it's into basketball season. Though of course we will continue to talk about recruiting and transfers and all the other awesome stuff at great length. But the main thing I want you to remember, John, is I need you to do one thing for me, and that is I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. We're back up, John. All right. Our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.